Hello, Edited for Content fans. A quick note about last week. I know there wasn't an episode. I had to take a little moment back, get a little recharge. But we're back with a brand new episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Hello, friend. You're listening to the Edited for Content Show, a place where we try to understand a topic by extracting truth from theater. If you like this podcast, let me know, share it, and come back again. Hello, Edited for Content fans. A quick note about this episode. Uh, This episode deals with some extreme adult content. So this is one you might want to put the kiddies to bed for. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy the show. My guest is the host of Dear Polly, a podcast that's designed to address sexuality and polymorphia. Polymorphia? Poly, I'm never going to get that right. Poly, polyamory. See, I'm never going to get that right. Please welcome to Editive Contest my wonderful guest, Philip Simpson. Phil, thank you for doing this. Thank you for giving me a platform. I really appreciate it. Oh, you kidding? I'm, I, this is great. So I've already butchered it because it shows you how much I don't understand. <laughs> polyamory? All mm-hmm. All right. What is polyamory? So polyamory is the ability to love more than one person. So poly uh, means many, and amory means, or, or amory is from the root, root uh, amorous, so like to love. Okay, so you've got to tell me, what is the difference between this and being like, (laughs) so there's two versions of this in my mind. There's polygamy and there's swingers. So what is, where does this line, because it sounds like you're having these multiple like relationships with multiple people, but that sounds so, I mean, obviously it's very, judeo-christian ethics let's just go ahead and set that aside but it's just explain the difference between just this kind of vision of what it really is i'm actually really glad you asked that question because um that's probably the number one um question that people have and don't don't ask um so the two that you spoke about um polygamy and swingers they would fall under the umbrella of polyamory polyamory is the widest umbrella of um multiple relationships so a swing swingers would fall under that umbrella uh open relationships would fall under that umbrella uh uh, polygamy falls under that umbrella um, triads fall under that umbrella. Quads fall under that umbrella. Um, solo polyamory, which is what I, I practice that follows, falls under that umbrella. So the thing about polyamory is that when you use that term versus using one of the many terms underneath that, it, it's, uh, it kind of gives you the freedom to create the relationship dynamic that works for you. <laughs> so I'm sitting here and for those for my listeners you can only imagine my job bouncing off the floor because I'm just picturing going to somebody who is either in the church or somebody who is 
you know, in a swinger relationship and trying to explain that, oh, no, no, this is the behavior that you're having. They're like, oh, no, 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 that's not what we do. But it is. It really is. So how, I guess the whole thing I'm really kind of, I have so many questions about dating. Like when you first meet somebody new, like just out and about, do you, from the minute you first meet them, do you explain kind of the version of love that you seek? Or is it like, how does that work where you say, Hey, I'm Polly? Like, you know? Yeah. You have to wear it on your sleeve. Really? You literally, you have to wear it on your sleeve. Um, now I don't just tell every single person that I meet as soon Mm -hmm. as I meet them, but the minute that I realize there might be a chemistry of any kind, um, I usually am very upfront about it. And I try, I quite often try rather than to exchange phone numbers with someone, I always try to connect through Instagram because it's in my Instagram bio. So if I don't say it right, then they will immediately see it. So I usually am like, Oh, are you on social? Let's connect. And then when they pull up my Instagram, they're like, Oh, Oh, you're, you're Polly. Like, yeah, yeah, that's me. So how does that, so I'm, I'm fascinated with the concept of being able to be in relationships that are so loving and caring that there's enough love to spill out into another relationship and that everybody's okay at that level. Well, how does that work? It's hard. It's very hard. The thing that I will tell you about exploring polydynamics is that above anything else, you grow enormously as an individual because you have to face all of your fears, your insecurities. You have to learn to balance the needs of others. You have to learn how to be communicative to the point of over-communicative because you cannot ever assume that that other person knows what it is that you want or need. You have to be expressive about it. Whereas when you're in a mono relationship, you can kind of get a feel for that person and you can start making assumptions about what it is that they want or need. Now, relationships that do that long-term are often the ones that later in the relationship, if they go on for 40 some odd years, they're generally not fully satisfied but they're comfortable. So they're okay with it. But when you're in a polydynamic, you absolutely have to communicate everything, every thought, every feeling, because that other person, it's unfair to them to, to allow them to assume what your needs are, because if they assume wrong, then you immediately start creating a divide of insecurity. Wow. So if you're in, so say, And I'm going to use, I don't even know how to like set this up. So if you're in a relationship A and you're, you're, you know, you guys are together, you're living together and you have this connection with B, then you communicate that with A and you kind of communicate why, what it is with B or what, what things you want from B or expect from B. And I guess is the expectation that you're going to spend more time with A versus B or how does that like, I guess the whole dynamic is amazing to me because I, 
first of all, raised, you know, in a family where, of course, it's, you know, you're in one relationship all the time. I've met people who are poly and I've and we're going to get into this a little deeper because in a minute, because I'm, I'm curious where I've met people who are poly who have explained to me that they're poly. But for me, it's hard for me to have a connection with somebody where I wouldn't go full blown emotional, 100% into it, wanting to take that next step. So how do you kind of balance that across the plane of the individuals, if you will, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. And honestly, um, that's, that's a challenging question to answer because that is unique to every couple. Every single couple handles that very differently um, based on their own dynamic. Um, So that's, that's a hard one to answer. Uh, I can tell you that for myself, I, I don't think that it's about, so um, NRE, new relationship energy, um, is very real mm-hmm. and it's talked about a lot in poly, uh, poly conversations because, um, you do have to, you have to be very communicative with your first partner. I'm going to say first, because I try to be, um, I try not to speak in hierarchical, hierarchical. Mm. hierarchy. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I try not to say like primary, although that is a thing that some poly relationships, uh, utilize. They have like their primary partner, or sometimes they call them their nesting partner. So it's the one that they maybe been with for 10 years and they share a home with. Um, so when you, when you have a new relationship and you get in that new relationship energy, um, that can be challenging, which is why communication is so important because you have to constantly check in with your first partner to make sure that their needs are still being met. And you balance that, you balance it. And as long as you're communicating how you're feeling and what you're thinking, um, I mean, generally there's not, there's nothing you can't work through, you know, it's about being understanding of each other. And, and when you have a really solid bond, um, in a polydynamic, oftentimes that, uh, partner a, as you said, um, will, uh, will experience excitement for their partner as they're, you know, exploring this new dynamic with partner B. There's a word for that. And I'm blanking on it. All of us compersion, compersion. So it's to feel joy for someone else's joy, to feel excitement for their excitement. I love this episode already because my listeners are going to learn a whole new vocabulary. And I love yeah. that. So are there rules? Or, well, I don't want to say rules because I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to put a, a label like rules on it, but I want to say, is there like an That's... understanding of kind of boundaries that you would keep then? It's actually fair to say rules. Rules is a term that's often used. Um, I think they are used. Oh, this is kind of an assumption. So I hope I don't offend anybody when I say that. But I I feel like in my research and experience, rules are used much more in like uh, swinger dynamics, open relationship dynamics than in uh, some of the other dynamics. 
Um, and and oftentimes rules will be implemented in the early phases as you as couples are exploring it and trying to be protective of their feelings and emotions and insecurities. But as the communication builds and as um, the relationship strengthens through better communication, a lot of times those rules will you know, they'll do check check ins and realize, okay, well, this rule's no longer necessary because, you know, we're we're doing great. You know, if something goes wrong, sometimes they'll re-implement rules, but rules are it's a very common term used in polydynamic relationships. So earlier I mentioned that in my life I had someone who I was very attracted to who you know, wanted to explore a relationship with me and inform me that she was Polly. <clears throat> and initially I was okay with it because it was, I just enjoyed spending time with her. Like it wasn't a, a, it wasn't a physical relationship. It wasn't anything of that nature, but as time grew on, grew on and it really became a strong relationship and a strong feeling. I, wasn't okay with the idea of her not being monogamous to me. And it was really awkward for me because I don't want to say I felt selfish as much as I felt that she kind of wanted that too. But when I approached the issue, she took great offense to it because she was very, like she made, and she made it abundantly clear to me that she had made it abundantly clear in the beginning. She was Polly and I had, and that wasn't fair to request that. Is that something you experience? Yeah, that happens. I mean, it's, it's challenging because, you know, as human beings, we connect with people mm -hmm. and, uh, it's always painful when you connect with someone that doesn't align with the same values and, and because of that, it can't move forward. And, and it's painful on both sides. Um, so, uh, as, as I stated in my very first episode, I don't know if you listened to it cause it's the long one. Um, that's the one that's like 78 minutes, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did. I was, it was my interview with, um, normalizing non-monogamy uh -huh. and, um, you know, I spoke about kind of my journey and how it went through a twist. So my partner um, wanted to be Polly. And that's actually what forced me into um, exploring it. And I initially was very against it. Like I was, I was cool with an open relationship, which actually falls under the ethically non-monogamous uh, umbrella. But um, I was not okay with the idea of having like multiple partners you know i was like emotions should be confined to just the two of us kind of thing but as i explored it more and really got to understand how freeing it can be um i was 100 percent on board and about the time that i became 100 percent on board he realized he didn't want to be Polly. Oh no. That he wanted he wanted one person to be his everything. And the whole reason why I fell so head first into it and and I still believe so strongly in it is that 
as a result of my relationship with him, knowing that I can't be his everything. We are not sexually compatible. We're just not. But we are like emotional soulmates if ever a thing existed. Mm-hmm. I I would still die for that man today. I will love him till the day I die. And um and and that will never change. But being poly in for me allows me the opportunity to have a connection with someone and celebrate that connection based on what it is without the expectation that it be more than what it is. And, and then I don't have to worry about lacking anything because I can have another connection with another individual that might fill a different need, a different dynamic. And then, then I can celebrate them for what they are and enjoy it for what it is and not add pressure and expectations that it has to be so much more or different than what that person can provide for me. And, and I think one of the reasons why I've, I've like really adapted this and, and, and feel so passionately about it is because I am a person that falls in love with people for who they are. And every one of my long-term relationships have been with somebody that I was not sexually compatible with. Really? Yeah. Really? Three long-term relationships, almost back to back. So it's, it's a total of, so the first one was for five years. The second one was for four years. The third one was for five years. The first and second lined right up. There was no break between them because my second partner, actually, I met him at the tail end of my first relationship as we were opening that relationship up. And so I literally just went from one to the next. And and then that one was monogamous for all but like the last three months of it also. So and that that was the same like routine with the first relationship. It was monogamous all up until like the end. And then I went three months before I met my current ex, Nick. And um, so I was dating bottoms and I identify as a bottom for what is that? That's 10, 14 years, 14 years of my life. Yeah. So, and we're going to get into this next because your show, it's, you know, it talks about sexuality I find that fascinating that you identified in your first relationship that was that, you know, that it wasn't compatible and you continued that pattern for like another 10 years. And so, so I I have to ask, so is the component that you're missing when you're in this poly relationship is that the part that you seek is that physical connection then with these other individuals? Like what is, is that the part that's missing? Because it sounds like emotionally at, in the nest and I'm, you know, I'm trying to relate the, the, the terminology here because nest takes on a whole nother thing for me. So, but at your home, you have this emotional connection that's super strong sans physical is that the component that you get from these other individuals then so um i think initially yes that was kind of the goal um it's it's evolving a little bit and i think to to back up slightly 
Um, I think the reason I, I know the reason why I fell into these same kind of routine is because uh, one, um, there's a huge learning curve to learning to bottom. And I was never good at it. Uh, so I, I didn't have very enjoyable experiences. And as a result, I kind of just felt like it was sex wasn't a priority. At the end of the day, if I'm going to be in a relationship with somebody, I want it to be somebody that I'm going to love talking to and spending time with when we're 70 or 80 years old and have no interest in having sex, but just that time mm -hmm. together. Like that's what was important to me. So that's why I allowed that routine to continue. I just kind of took sex off the table. Um, since my most recent breakup or separation or, or recategorizing of our relationship, we call each other our soul, uh, our best friend soulmates. Now, uh, we don't, we're not partners, but we're best friend soulmates. Um, since that has, has transpired and I decided that I was going to take this opportunity to like learn my body because mm -hmm. I never really took the time to learn my body. And, um, and, and a lot of that comes from the way I was raised and a lot of, a lot of shame that, that came with sex for me. Like I didn't own toys of my own because it felt wrong and weird, mm -hmm. you know, to like have toys, but to explore your body, you, I, I at least advocate for the use of toys because it's how you can learn what it is that you enjoy and you can learn your limits and your boundaries and the angles that feel good and like just everything else. Um, once I took the time to learn my body, I have unlocked the magic of sex and <laughs> I am having the best sex of my life at almost 40 years old. And, um, I, I hate that it took me so long, uh, but it is what it is. We're on, we're on a journey and I'm not mad about it at all. I, I'm having a great time, but having now unlocked the joys of physical pleasure. Um, I think I would, I, I want more than just a sexual connection with certain people. Like I would love to have a sexual and emotional connection, but I'm also not going to put any pressure on any relationship to be more than what it can be. As long as both of our needs are being met and we're happy. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I, do you think that in a way you were, learning about being a bottom earlier, you had said that essentially those three relationships, they were bottoms as well. So were you kind of developing and learning and kind of going from their lead? Is that kind of what it was in, in kind of got you or like what was, you know, cause it's, I mean, two lefts don't make a right, my man. Like, it's, so, so at some point somebody's going to have to take that role of top. And essentially if you have, well, if, if you've, if it's, it's okay. So, but, it, but that's not who you that's, truly identify it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's gotta be the struggle of, mm -hmm. yeah, this isn't, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't who I am. And that's, you know, so that leads me to this, um, kind of the development of not only you as a person, but your show is that kind of where that passion stem from to get this out there to help others. A hundred percent. 
100%. I want to face the the questions. I want I want to give people a platform to be able to ask the questions in an anonymous format that they are afraid to ask or don't know where to find the resources. I didn't I didn't know how to find out like what it takes to be a good bottom. And in my first two relationships, I was with bottoms that just it, it, it was easy and natural for them and they had no issues and there was no learning curve. And that's great. And there's people like that in this world. And then there's other people where it's not that easy. I'm one of those people where it's not that easy. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's body reacts differently. So, you know, there's, at the time I didn't know that there were books that, to help that. There are books I, in, in the Butt Stuff episode, I actually plugged the book and I am not sponsored by them in any way, shape or form. But once I learned about it, I was like, why don't more people know about this? Like somebody needs to tell people there's a book that teaches you things, you know? So, um, but why, do you think in today's society, see, I'm a firm believer and I have this argument on a regular basis. I think print is dead. I am a firm believer that print has died and nobody attended the funeral. I will agree. I'm going to say I don't think it's dead yet, but she's struggling. Like she, she's Life support. On she's on life support. Yeah, she's on life support for sure. Okay. Now, what I'll say as like a follow-up to that though, is I think that where we're, where we're seeing the shift and I think a lot of it comes from the popularity of podcasts is that I think people are listening to them. They're not reading them, but they're listening to them. So books I think are going to live, but they're going to live in another format. And I would agree with that. I would agree with that a hundred percent because I think that it's easier to listen to a book um, I mean, there's always going to be print. I mean, I, and I'm not saying that in, for those of my listeners that are avid readers, I apologize. Forgive me. I know not for what I do. However, I think that things like you're talking about, okay, where you're looking for guidance in exploration of sexuality, okay, you're not going to go snooping through Barnes and Noble, you're not going to necessarily order something from Amazon when there's YouTube, podcasts, TikToks. I mean, there's just a, so much of quick digital information to get you those fast answers because who's going to read through 200, 300, 400 pages when you're looking for the best lubricant? 100%. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, with that. you know, it's just, it's too easy to be like, I need that answer. I want it now. So I agree with that. And that is that is one of the reasons why I wanted, I developed my, my podcast in the format that it is. Because when I was first exploring polyamory, I read uh, a couple of books, which did give me a lot of knowledge and insight, but I still had like very specific questions. And in almost all of the polyamory podcasts that I could find, um, they were all interview formats. Mm -hmm. So I would oftentimes have to listen to like three or four interviews before I found the, that aha moment where that one person was able to relate to that question that I had in my mind at that time. I, I wanted to create a platform where it could be like answering a direct question. And I really wanted to do it with personal experience meets professional advice so that that way people got multiple perspectives on a singular topic that could answer their direct question. And I, I wanted to be able to give that to people. 
And and you do. And and I really hope that my listeners take the time. The first episode, I'm not gonna lie, go to the go to the three after the first and then come back to the first. It your story was great, but it was so much like the other shows. Well, no, it was like the other shows because like you said, they get on there and it, it's like they're interviewing people who are telling their lives of how they got into poly. They talk about a couple relationships. And then they may answer like one or two questions about experiences, but it, you're right. It really isn't that get into the sexuality, get into the poly, get into like the answers, like you were saying. Um, and I really hope that my listeners really, cause you, you're right. Your episodes are, they're quick, they're informative. Um, your guests, I mean, you, you really have this way of delivering that information really quickly. And you did make yourself super accessible to people submitting questions or reaching out or try to find the answers that they're looking for. And that's why, why I wanted you on because your show does do that. It, it, in, in that, in, I love that that's your goal. Um, I love that it's in its infancy because it's really, it's really exciting for me on two levels. One, you'll take my call because you're small enough where you'll take my call. <laughs> and, and two, because as it grows, I know that I'll be able to be like, yeah, I, I had, I had him on my show like that. I like, you know, before he was making that Joe Rogan money, I got to talk to him. Um, but I think it's a, it's a huge thing. And I love the other thing I love about your show, which we talked a little bit before we started this. Um, it's not, geared to one orientation it is across the board and it's sharing real life experiences um is her name it's a, is it morgue is that her name morgan okay morgan morgan thank you um i keep saying morgue because i think that's her like username on uh, life of morgues is her username on instagram that's what it is I, i'm like I, why do i keep calling her morgue that's what it is um and i'm gonna give that's a shameless plug for life of morgue who's not even on the show but i'm gonna go ahead and plug <laughs> it um check out the instagram um i ironically enough the day we're recording this instagram is belly up right now for whatever reason so um i didn't get a chance to actually go and look at her site but um, she was a guest on your show and I love that you guys were exploring and the episode that she was on was you guys were talking about anal sex, um, air quote, butt stuff. And it was, it wasn't just this step-by-step -step graphic thing. It was a true interpretation of what the first experience was like and how that can affect what could be a joy, joyful and pleasurable experience for both parties, but if not done with the correct preparation and the correct understanding, it can be traumatic. And she tells a great story. You, you shared some great information as well on there, um, but that's what your show does, and that's what's truly um, impressive. When you, moving forward with your show and, and kind of getting more people involved in everything, what is kind of the the evolution that you'd like to see in terms of openness and sexuality, but including the poly portion of it for your show? Kind of where is that evolution heading for you? What would be the pinnacle for that show? Well, 
so I actually do have, um, at, I've already been in the works of a little bit of an evolution to the show. Um, it's definitely taking kind of a more sexual gear. Um, and, but I'm, I'm not leaving out uh, anything, but I, I do want to start, I want to start, um, the important part for me is, is to be able to speak from personal experience and to be able to, to answer things openly and honestly. I, I really just want to continue to let it evolve as a very organic conversation. Uh, being very open and honest about my experiences, my thoughts, because I think that it's through that open and honest transparency that people can feel um, feel like they relate and they can feel like they're not alone mm -hmm. if they're having a thought or a, or a feeling or insecurities um, or if they're having issues with something. I, I want people to know that there's somebody else out there that is is having those thoughts or feelings or experiences. As it evolves, um, I'm actually getting ready to launch a series within the series um, called Kinked, where we're actually going to just preemptively start covering certain sexual topics. So they don't have to be a, a question submitted in order to cover that. Um, main reason for that is that I want to be able to give people an, an opportunity if, they're, if they have a certain fetish or kink in their life that they may be hiding from or keeping secret or ashamed of i want to be able to provide this this platform where they can understand how other people interpret it or experience it i want to have a professional on that can talk about what may be a trigger for this why why someone might be interested in it what people can do to remain safe if they're exploring this that type of thing so that that way um, I just kind of take the stigma of wanting to explore your sexuality and the things that might be of interest to you. I want to take that stigma away. I want to make that feel like it's okay and it's safe and you're not the only one out there and how to do it safely. And I love that. And I love that. And I love that you're also embracing all body types into your show as well. Um, I do have a request. I do want to hear, I want you to have on there a panel and I want it to be you, a polygamist and a swinger. And I do want that panel. Cause I think that that show would be just to hear the different sides of kind of the viewpoints of, you know, I can have 25 million wives, but if you have 10 partners, it's wrong. Like I really want to hear that argument. <laughs> I want to hear why I want to hear that, that argument. Um, do you think that would that, make an interesting episode for sure? Oh, for sure. Um, and like I said, I have a dozen questions, but two I want to ask. The first one I want to ask is couples who listen to your show and that reach out to you, maybe they're not, maybe they've been in a monogamous relationship for 20 years. And it's not that the love for, they have for each other is any less or any more it's just not the same as it once was would is poly something they should explore that is a another difficult question because well okay i asked the hard-hitting stuff man like i don't screw you around do. <laughs> you do now I, I will say you did preface that with their love how did you word that they're, they're it's not that their love is any less. Yes. So 
because the first thing I was going to say is if your relationship is in any kind of distress, you should not explore it. This is not a solve for a, a right. distressed relationship for sure. Um, that being said, if their relationship is great, but there is something about it that feels like it's not fully fulfilling because, and, and, and that's a thing. And the reason why that's such a thing is that as human beings, we're the product of our experiences. And as a result of, of the fact that we have individual experiences, even as couples, when you experience the same thing through life, you're seeing that through the filter of your past. So you're still going to experience that slightly different. And that's what molds us over time. So if you've been in a relationship for 20 years, you're, you're, the way I look at it is that your relationship, your, your, your closeness uh, is like sound waves. There are times throughout your relationship where it goes a little further apart and then a little closer together, a little further apart, a little closer together. And, and those portions where you're a little further apart, you are going to have different needs. You're going you're gonna to have different feelings. And if your love is strong and you want to take that opportunity to either open it up or become swingers or whatever it is that, that the need is that you're, you're missing, whether it be sexual or emotional or whatnot, um, I, yeah, I think that's perfectly healthy and perfectly acceptable to explore that. I actually have a couple and it was the... Um, the performance anxiety issue where the they're new to polyamory and they listened to my interview and absolutely loved it. They follow me on Instagram. They chat with me through um, my DMs and he um, heard that portion of my story and he was the one that reached out and was like, I, I am experiencing, you know, the same issue. And I thought that it was purely just performance anxiety, but based on your story, I realized there could be much more to it. There could be this whole other emotional, spiritual, religious aspect from my childhood that could actually, I could be carrying that with me. So um, that's what inspired that whole episode. So. And, and that's another great one too. And so I guess my next question is at what age would you consider poly to be acceptable in terms of, you know, so I think of parents, right? And I think of kids growing up and you and I are kind of in that same age bracket. So let's be honest. When we were growing up, there were topics for which we did not discuss. Sexuality, orientations no 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 you had that one cousin that may have shared some stuff they probably shouldn't have other than that nobody's talking okay that's so true oh that's so true mine was joe my cousin joe i will tell you if it wasn't for him i'd probably still be a virgin but cousin joe fixed <laughs> a lot of things growing up anyways we won't that's a whole other that's a special episode let me tell you okay so Aside from the one cousin, sexuality wasn't really discussed. Now it's very in the forefront, especially when it comes to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even say preteens. I mean, it used to be, you know, teenagers, but now even younger than that, where trying to find an identity, a sexuality. When do you think Polly should be in the discussion as 
kind of an acceptable form of not only, I don't want to just say love, but I almost want to say self-love or self-acceptance as well, because it's, it's so much more than, and I'm going to be honest with you, up until talking to you and listening to your show, I always associated Polly as kind of a political acceptable version of swingers. You know what I'm saying? Because swingers had this kind of a negative into my swinger audience. I'm not saying it's a negative connotation, but it has this kind of component where it's just people that want to sleep with other people. And Polly was kind of in my mind and kind of from my understanding before Philip of kind of the polished version of the same thing. And that's not the case at all. And so as a a parent, when would you think it would be appropriate to possibly approach that subject with a child? I know. I ask you the tough stuff, man. I can see you're... I I really, I really wish my, my show was visual. Like I had like a YouTube presence because the look on your face is like, Uh, Oh God, I don't know what, I don't have a clue of how to answer. (laughs) I, so I have, I have multiple feelings about that, which is why that's, that's, that's hard for me to figure out how to articulate this. Um, I, I, I personally think that as a relationship format or relationship option, whatever you want to call it, I, I feel that it should be a normal part of conversation, period. I think that we are not going to get there until you see it normalized in media. When it becomes a, a relationship dynamic that you see on your favorite show, when it becomes a relationship dynamic that's present in movies, I think that's when it's going to become acceptable to talk about like monogamy. And honestly, I I feel like for the healthiest adults, it should be normalized younger because what you experience, and it's um, in my most recent episode that just aired, last night at midnight um which posted 18 hours ago and i haven't heard it yet so don't ruin anything that's all right elizabeth though was my co-host and she talks about her own personal experience where she had these feelings of being able to love multiple people and didn't understand that that was a dynamic that could exist because we're all raised with this idea of monogamy. And so instead she was having struggling relationships throughout her teens and early twenties because she could not, she just couldn't make that dynamic work in a healthy format for her. So she just finally decided she was going to just like say, screw it. And instead, I'm just going to start telling people that I'm going to date multiple people. I'm just going to be honest about it up front from the get go. Not even realizing that, you know, what she was doing was being ethically non-monogamous, that that's, that's, that's what you do when you're in polyamory. You're ethically non-monogamous. You are upfront about your intentions. You're, you communicate your feelings and you explore what makes you happy. And, uh, and then in college, she actually found a poly group and was like, oh, there's a name for this and I'm not alone and I'm not a bad person for it. Oh, yeah. 
because you know she had this whole idea that she was a bad person for doing this because it doesn't fit the standards she grew up to know. We shouldn't have to be in our 20s before we realize that it's okay to have the feelings that we have. If it's not hurting anyone and if you know how to do it properly and if you're being honest and transparent and caring for the people that you're engaging with, we shouldn't have to be in our 20s. You know, and sitting here listening to you a couple things came into my mind. First of all, you're right. I don't think I, I, I was trying to think of a movie or a TV show that had a poly relationship in it. And I'm kind of struggling with that, but I'm looking at other relationships in shows and it brought an interesting point to light. I'd like to talk about the bi relationship. Okay, and how gender specific accepting it is in terms of almost a poly. If you say you're bi versus poly, it's almost an acceptance. So if you had a male and a female in a relationship and the female had a girlfriend, nobody's blinking an eye. And that's a bi relationship. She's having a bi relationship. But it's a poly relationship. It really is. So, and I'll tell you how I got there was I was thinking three's company. <laughs> this is how I got there. Because I was thinking of like two girls in a, or two guys in a pizza girl in a pizza joint or whatever it was, um, which was the one with, um, oh God, what's his, he plays um, Deadpool. What the hell was his, um, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds. Yep. So I was thinking two guys and a girl in a pizza joint. I was thinking of um, um, Three's Company. I was thinking of all these shows where there's either two guys and a girl or two girls and a guy that have this kind of a relationship. And it's never spoken of in terms of that. But it is that kind of relationship in, in, a, in a big way. 100%. So... To your point, and I can't, and it's hard for me right now. I'm just like in shock because I'm thinking of what year it is. <laughs> we'll start with that. And how, if somebody said they were in a relationship with two people and each one of them was an opposite sex, nobody would blink an eye. I think that's interesting. Yeah. But if you said you were in a poly relationship, they're freaking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. There's, as we think about, as, as you're, you're talking about this and I'm thinking about how, uh, where I've seen it and, and also heard the term associated with it in TV. Uh, it was on a TV show. Uh, I want to say it's the good doctor. I want to say it's the good doctor. One of the doctors one of the residents that uh, was on the show um, was supposed to be kind of this hippie surfer guy that like came onto the show. He was only on for like half a season, if I'm remembering correctly. But he talked about how he was poly and he used the term. Interesting thing was though, he was single the entire time. They never gave a demonstration of his relationship. Oh. So they allowed him to use the term, but stripped his character of having any relationships. Okay, so because you said that, I left out the one that I was going to use an example because they didn't use the term. 
Did you ever see the show um, Shit's Creek? Yeah. Okay. So there's a guy in there who makes furniture who hooked up with David, hooked up with, tried to hook up with David's fiance, hooked up with, um, oh, I can't think of her name, Stevie, who ran the, mm-hmm. right? And every, and basically everybody he meets, he makes out with, like he, even when he like first goes to meet you, instead of shaking your hand, he kisses you on the mouth. Like that was his MO. And he had all these relationships with a lot of people, but he, ne- they never used the term poly. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the I, one I was thinking of. Yeah. It, it's, there's a, there's a taboo about it. There's but, a taboo about it. But with such a Still. huge culture of people. Who believe in it and we can take it i mean this is not poly is not a new thing i mean you can go to the roman bathhouses you can go to you know 11th century you know i mean there's you can go way back all the way up and then move forward to the 60s was poly all day long and twice on sunday that that movement it was a it was under hippies if you will mm-hmm. but it was about love expression the whole nine yards yep so it's not a new thing but compared to everything else that's been accepted in our culture it seems like the one thing i mean there might be others and i apologize to anybody else who i'm missing but it does seem like a big one that doesn't really have like you said that open notoriety where i think that you know We live in a very, you know, America is very, it's a, it's a very religious country. Like there's, there's still a lot of Christianity that I don't want to say regulates anything, but like there, there's this, I don't even know how to express it. Like this fear of offending the Christians. Um, And I think that because of that, movements to social acceptance of ideas that go against those those values and principles are slow moving to see in mainstream media. And Schitt's Creek actually tackled a lot mm-hmm. of issues. Um, you even saw... Um, David and his partner explore open relationships and they talked pretty. I mean, the, the conversations that they had about it really authentic. Oh yeah. What that conversation would sound like between two people also very mature about it. Like I, so to, to, to at least give visibility to those types of things, even if they're not putting a name on it, um, you know, it's a start. It's a start. And, and, and the good doctor having, having used the term, at least it's making it, it's, it's making it a term that now somebody might be like, Oh, I wonder what that is. I'm going to Google it. I do hate that they made him relationshipless mm-hmm. because I feel like that is following this idea of people that are on the outside looking in thinking, well, poly people just don't want to settle down or can't settle down or right. nobody, you nobody's going to be okay with it kind of thing. Um, so I do hate that. Um, but 
And, and he did explore dating one of the characters on there, but she had an issue with him being poly. So they never actually dated. So, right. you know, I don't know. So, and maybe you're right. And, and I guess it's really easy for me to now look at society in terms of like LGBTQ um, plus, um, you know, being more mainstream. But if you go back to like the eight, the late seventies, early eighties, MASH had an episode with a guy who came out as being homosexual and just got beat to a bloody pulp versus now having characters in shows who are just openly, openly, you know, just whatever their orientation is. So maybe it will take, it's just, it's just really interesting to me that I don't want to say, and I, and, and to anybody out there that's, you know, fits in any of these categories, I hope you know, this is just a discussion we're having and it's not, we're not singling anybody out, but it just seems like there's certain rules in media and in um, Hollywood that when it comes to poly that they're still following versus other orientations that they're 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 okay they're be open about but poly still for some reason has a stigma to it still fringe still, still fringe. fringge oh fringe yeah. oh there's a show oh that um <laughs> well i mean if we're gonna talk about it, let's go okay um that's a <laughs> philip that's a whole other show um philip before we go how do we find you how do my people find you where are you at give us give us the whole spiel man how to get a hold of you absolutely so um, I have a website, if you want to visit that, uh, www.dearpolypodcast.com. Um, I'm on Instagram under Dear Polly Podcast. Um, and you can find me on, I believe, just about every single podcast platform that you can find. I mean, I, I, it's a lot of work to sign up for them all, but I think I've got just about all of them. Stitcher, I, iTunes, um, Spotify, uh, Google, like all of them. And it's just Dear Polly Podcast. And if my so. guests have any questions or they just, you know, want some clarity on maybe something or if themselves they are maybe having some questions on whether or not this is something that they feel strongly about, reach out to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. They can reach out uh, either through Instagram DMs if they they're comfortable with that. If they want to do it anonymously, there is actually an anonymous um, submission uh, portal on my website where they can just type in whatever question they have. It's 100% anonymous and it gets directly to me. So I'll be able to um, put that, you know, take that question, take that comment, concern, topic, whatever it is, and turn it into an episode for them. Philip, again, um, I can't thank you enough, not only for your show, but for you to be willing to come on here to talk to my guests and hopefully enlighten them. I know you've enlightened me tenfold. Um, I, I thank you so much for your time for doing this. I really do. Thank you for the platform. I, I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Edited for Content podcast. Again, if you enjoyed it, let me know, share it, and come back again. Thanks for listening, my friend. Have a great day.